Stand Up Nuggets Nation. It's now time for the Mile High Hoops Podcast with Zach By on your home for the most Nuggets content. Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops Podcast. I am your host, as always, Zach By. And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day and your busy schedule with me. Here on the Mile High Hoops podcast, reacting to game number one. Yes, the NBA season is off and rolling. Couldn't be more excited about it. Just super fired up uh, for this Denver Nuggets team. And they get started with, uh, you know, I I don't want to say a signature win because we don't quite yet know what Phoenix is going to be this year. But I'm I'm like 90% of... comfortable calling it a signature win and I hope I'm not a prisoner of the moment here and just reacting uh to game one of of 82 but I I walked away from that contest on ESPN on Wednesday night really really impressed with these nuggets even though the way that I'm impressed and the reasons that I'm impressed are actually tried and true attributes to the Denver Nuggets themselves and you know, the first thing that I think of uh, when I say that is just real grit. Like the Nuggets showed grit last night, and they're in a spot where, look, we, we know the factors uh, from a storyline standpoint coming into this one. First of all, you're on the road in a place that uh, has been a house of horrors against a team that just swept you out of the playoffs. You weren't even competitive. Uh, it just was setting up. For it felt like the Nuggets to uh, lose that game. They were a six-point underdog, uh, according to, to to Superbook Sports. So uh, they were not expected to win, quite simply. And then, within that construct, you have the way that the first half actually went, where uh, the starting unit you know gets off to a good start, right? And uh, they 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 give themselves a, a lead there uh, early in the or, or not early in in the first quarter. I think it ended. Uh, I want to say twenty. I, f- I forget. But 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 the Nuggets had a lead, and and then the bench unit gives it all back. And you know we talked about this uh, more extensively in our Nuggets War Room that we had here uh, on 104.3 The Fan in Denver on Tuesday. We did a live show with uh, a panel of, I guess there was five of us total, and we talked about how one of the biggest question marks for uh, this Denver Nuggets team was, you know, on, on paper it looks like they have depth, but do they really? Like, do they really? And that revealed itself early uh, here in the season in the first half of that game where, you know, it, it they, they, they gave all the equity that the starters have earned back and, then the starters are forced to kind of do it again. And next thing you know, the score, uh, and I forget exactly what it was uh, in the moment, but guys with like three minutes left or so uh, in, the, in, the, in the first half, in the second quarter uh, there in Phoenix, Nuggets are down 16. And I don't know what the live calculations of like, you know, win probability was in that moment, but you're already a six-point dog, and for, for that outlook – that forecast to be validated by getting down 16 in the first half. I would imagine the Suns probably had a, you know, 88, 89, 90% win probability, uh, at that point. But the Nuggets, man, and this is a microcosm, uh, 
in the Suns game of what we've learned about this basketball team throughout the last two or three years is that when the chips are down, they are the best version of themselves. And there they were in the second half, not just uh, playing with them, but really outclassing uh, Phoenix there in that second half. And it was so nice to see uh, the bench, uh, some of those guys play as well uh, as they did. But I'll get to those guys in a second. I want to start off with uh, Nicola. Things uh, start and end with Nicola right now, right? Especially until Jamal gets back. And this team is going to go as Nicola does. And I thought, like, if you if you didn't watch the game and you just looked at the stat sheet, I mean, first of all, they're amazing numbers, okay? <laughs> like, you go for 27 points, 13 rebounds, and two assists, and two steals in an NBA game. Like, that's that's really good, right? Uh, but for the standard that Nicola has for himself, the stats don't really ring true to just how impactful I thought Nikola Jokic was in that game. Also, what was equally as impressive as him sort of, sort of steering the ship and operating at his own pace, and it was the matchup with DeAndre Ayton, right? Who I think is like fifth, I want to say, in a probability to win defensive player of the year. You look at you know the numbers and just how uh, much of a thorn that he was in Jokic's side a year ago, and that revealed itself um, during the NBA playoffs last season. So you come in uh, with this you know inherent challenge uh, of of DeAndre Ayton and just how effective he's been against Nikola. Nikola, for the large part, just kind of did his thing. Like if you didn't know about some of that history, you wouldn't look at DeAndre Ayton any differently after Wednesday night's game than you would any other center in the league. I mean, Nicola, I thought, was was that good. And he obviously didn't shoot it well from three. The one three that he made was at the end of the second quarter and, and made that game much tighter than it was uh, just three or four minutes before. I want to say it was maybe like a six or seven uh, point differential at half, and it ends with him uh, knocking that three. And that was his lone three. He was one for six. He did not go to the free throw line, not one time. Uh, and while he was out on the floor, Nikola Jokic was a plus 28. Wow. Plus 28. Doesn't get much better than that uh, in a game that you were at one point down 16 as a club uh, and ultimately win by 12. Nikola Jokic plus 28. I thought that is a, a fascinating and telling number. And really just, you know, if you just look at the hard stats, all right, and don't go into the weeds and just look at the plus minus, which you know, oftentimes can be misleading or deceiving. Uh, this one, I thought, for the most part, told the, the correct story uh, that the temperature of the game reflected, where every single member of the bench unit is in the negative, uh, hi, uh, highlighted by uh, J. Michael Green, who was a minus 16. Austin Rivers was minus 13 and not particularly good uh, at all in his eight minutes. I think he had w- one finish uh, around the basket uh, that sticks out, but nothing really of note. Um, and then every single starter, is, you know, Aaron Gordon plus 22, Will Barton plus 20, uh, MPJ plus 24, Monte uh, plus 18. So that kind of encapsulates uh, the uh, arc of, of yesterday's game. Uh, but I, I, in addition to Jokic, you know, Aaron Gordon, I was really impressed with Gordon. Again, if you're just looking at the stat sheet and don't, know what you're looking at actually when you're watching the game. Like if you know basketball and you watch that game, it was hard to not notice Aaron Gordon. That was from a defensive standpoint. 
That was from an energy level standpoint, uh, effective uh, around the basket, five of six from the field, made the only three that he took, was one of two from the line, uh, pulled down eight rebounds, had four assists in addition to that, had a block, was probably a goaltend, but still, you gotta be in the shot or not. And, you know, we talk about this, you know, with football a lot is like, you know, if, if you leave it in the ref's hands, uh, you're going to make them make a judgment call. And the fact that Gordon uh, got back in that play and was able to force the official to make a decision, you could either get up there and, and, and do it or not, right? And he went up there, and it, it looked like a goaltend uh, after watching the replay, but the ref didn't call it, and, you know, good for you, right? Kudos. You, you, you made a play. So, I mean, but between the block and him being effective and just playing smart basketball and most of the time playing within himself, he still can, Aaron Gordon can still, I think, get tripped up a little bit by trying to come outside of himself, usually on the bounce. He's not uh, effective creating his own shot off the bounce. And when he does that, he can get himself in some trouble and, and did last night um, one or two times that led to transition opportunities for Phoenix. But uh, overall, I mean, I was really impressed with Gordon. I really was. And if he can be that version of himself, uh, I think he's going to be a, an incredible piece here moving forward with this team. Um, not just in the, in the short term, but when Jamal gets back and hopefully for years to come, uh, after signing, uh, his big deal this offseason. So really good start to the season for Aaron Gordon. I thought it was a tremendous start to the season for Will Barton. I thought Will Barton, you know, my biggest takeaway, and he made plays, okay? He made plays, big shots down the stretch of the game that, you know, kind of was like the crystallizing moments when those shots were going down, like, oh, Phoenix is done. Like, Phoenix is toast here. They're, they're not going to come back. And, you know, Barton wants to take those shots. And, you know, Will, I think my biggest takeaway is just how spry he looked from an athleticism standpoint. You know, he's been often banged up here the last year or two, and you see the version of that guy who's not healthy, even if he's 85%, he's losing that um, that extra factor that, that makes him him. And you saw this manifest itself in a couple ways, but maybe none better than the first half drive from the right wing where he hangs up in the air almost like, you know, he's playing a video game or you know, small matrix moment where he hangs up in the air and pulls that basketball across his face, down towards his chest, and up and squeezes it back in a small window where, you know, hands were closing in and he's able to squeeze that ball in. Uh, that type of play a year ago is where he would attack the basket, be the, you know, 80% of what he is or whatever, and he'd get caught in these double clutch situations where he's trying to not squeeze the ball in a small window. He's trying to outcraft you in the air, which at that point it's a 50-50 play. Uh, and sometimes he'd make it. A lot of times he wouldn't. Um, but I'm seeing a pop in his step. Like there was one play that the, the whistle got blown dead, um, like near the top of the key, and he just was already going to the basket, so he took a dribble and took off and dunked it. It, it looked like Will Barton of, of two or three years ago, even though the play didn't count. Just talking about what my eyes told me. So that was really encouraging. In 34 minutes, he goes 8 for 14 from the floor, made four threes, took eight, so 50%. Great there. Five assists, six rebounds. I, I just, I thought it, it was a, um, close to a best case scenario from Will Barton. 
he's a complicated figure, especially if you're logged on to Twitter.com during a Nuggets game. But for him to come out of the gates after signing his deal, by the way, uh, to go uh, a plus 20 when he was out there and 20 points, I thought it was terrific uh, for Barton. And, you know, quick thought on MPJ here. Uh, the game from MPJ, once again, it's not like a broken record here. You look at the stats, and it doesn't say that he had, you know, an MPJ game, right? MPJ game could be 34 points in 34 minutes. It, it wasn't that, but... I was impressed with how measured he was. It just looked like he played totally within himself, but also walking that line of being aggressive. Like if he created a window for himself to shoot, whether that was uh, at one point getting a guy off his feet and just being able to raise up and, and, and shoot it, or he was on the breakaway and just stopped at the three point line, defense passed him by like, Oh, I'm open. I'm shooting it. Like that's never going to be the problem with Michael Porter Jr. It's just about trying to, you know, um, have that balance, right? And, and play with the IQ of, yes, I'm going to be aggressive, but also there's four other guys out here who are pretty damn good along with me. And I thought he, he found that balance well and was, uh, active on the glass and had five assists, a pair of steals. Uh, I, I thought he was really good. I thought he was really good. Um, so, and he was a plus 24 when he was out there, as we mentioned, uh, before. So, um, who else? Um, I thought Dozier was great. I thought P.J. Dozier uh, stuck out to me in his 21 minutes of action there. Uh, he looked like a confident shooter, uh, three for four from the field, and they, those were all threes. Uh, got to the free throw line once, really liked what I saw from P.J. Dozier. And we were having some fun in the uh, the fan war room previewing the season. And, you know, we, we were having a little spat between uh, a friend of this podcast and a friend of our station here, the fan, our Nuggets insider, Matt Moore, who's covered the team for about a decade now, uh, and James Merrillat from DenverFan.com. And, you know, like James thinks it's funny how, you know, people talk about P.J. Dozier as some sort of linchpin for success or however you would want to define P.J. Dozier's role with this team. Uh, and he has some fun with it. But truthfully, there is a real role for P.J. Dozier to play for the Denver Nuggets this season. They're, they're going to need him. As, even though that sounds funny to some, they're going to need him. And I thought that uh, he had a really nice debut to the 2021-22 uh, NBA season. Ten points. Like I said, he was active on the glass and knocking down shots. Looked like a confident player. That's what my eyes told me. Uh, Jeff Green. Jeff Green, I thought, was a difference maker. I, I really did. Uh, going uh, for three threes and... Getting to the free throw line once and uh, had an additional two. He looked like he was feeling it, man. He was talking to himself, getting himself up. Uh, Jeff Green is a veteran's veteran. Like, this guy, since he came out of Georgetown, what feels like 20 years ago, and has played for everyone. If you remember, he started his career in OKC and had some really good years in Boston, uh, played for the Grizzlies, and gosh, like a half a dozen other teams, the 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 Magic and Clippers and Cavs and Wizards and Jazz and Rockets and Nets. I mean, the guy has played for, I mean, how many teams are we talking here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, and now 11. So you're talking about a guy who uh, you know, has played for you know one-third of the NBA here in Denver now, but he's a pro, man. Like, Jeff Green is a pro. He's not a guy that is going to be a night-to-night 
13 points a game the way he was uh, in in his Nuggets debut. Uh, but I think once a week, Jeff Green should have a direct and real impact uh, on the Nuggets the way that he did uh, last night, despite him being, or excuse me, on, on Wednesday night, however and whenever you may be listening to this. Um, the, th- the the 35-year-old veteran um, was, I thought, probably the best version of who that guy is going to be in any game this season. Um, so kudos to him, you know, getting his uh, season off to to a good start. Uh, J. Michael Green didn't play great, didn't shoot it well. Um, it's okay. Uh, Compazzo uh, didn't shoot it well. Um, had four assists, didn't, didn't score a point, had a couple opportunities to, uh, but you know, his, his moments are coming, be sure. Um, Rivers, uh, like I said before, he did not, uh, stick out for any encouraging way. It's going to be interesting to watch whether he continues to get the nod over a guy like Bones Highland. Although I did think that, you know, I, I felt conflicted about my stance on this in that war room because I, I came here on the podcast this past week in a bit of a season preview, picked a couple of war, uh, awards and what have you. And I said, I just, you know, Mike Malone, the history of Michael Malone, just he, handling rookies. Don't be surprised if the guy has four or five consecutive DMP coaches decision. And that's how his career starts uh, as a nugget. If you were on the other side of that argument, uh, the way that my buddy James Merrillat was, uh, don't sprain your ankle uh, taking a victory lap. Because if Austin Rivers is that version of himself that he was against the Suns, then Bones Highland is going to get uh, more and more opportunities. So, you know, again, we'll see what it looks like. And that goes for, you know, that goes for uh, uh, Compazzo too, right? The Compazzo is going to be given all the opportunities uh, to go out and succeed. We know how much Mike Malone loves him. But we'll see what type of doors can be open for Bones, uh, you know, f- because of lackluster play um, in in that second unit, I think an opportunity is coming for him uh, here in in the next three or four games. But overall, guys, I mean, you talk about a debut of the season. You go out and shoot, you know, forty four percent from three, uh, out rebound your opponent, out assist your opponent. Um, you know, uh, I I thought they had a healthy uh, amount of fast break opportunities and converted. Uh, those into 18 points, uh, outscored the Suns in the paint. Um, so I, you know, across the board, um, I'm just, I'm impressed. You know, you get down 16 and you end up like turning that on its head to one point being up 15. Uh, that's, that's an, that's an impressive feat, especially on the road against a team that swept you out of the playoffs last year and was a legitimate favorite, uh, to start the season. So, uh, really good stuff, really good, uh, kickoff. Uh, their schedule continues. On Friday night, October 22nd, at home against San Antonio, I will be in the building uh, for that contest. And then they'll turn around and be home on Monday night as well against the Cleveland Cavs uh, on Monday, October 25th. So really nice opportunity to get off to a good start. San Antonio, uh, while never to be slept on, uh, should get beat uh, at home on Friday night. You'll be a legitimate favorite against Cleveland on Monday night. Uh, before you travel to Utah uh, the following Tuesday on a back-to-back in a game that that will be broadcast live on national TV on TNT. So uh, exciting start to the season. It's just one game, but I think uh, a pretty good tone setter if you ask me. And you know that whatever happens over the next handful of days against the San Antonio Spurs and Cleveland Cavs at home, we will be talking about it right here.
on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Oh, hey, didn't realize you were listening. Well, let's make this quick, and don't touch that dial. We're Rocky Mountain Forest Products, and we're not aggressive, we're passionate. And we're not going to blast you with facts you don't need. But when you do, visit rmfp.com. Whether you're in need of fencing, decking, or siding information, it's all there, and best of all, it's free. No one likes a salesman, so we're not going to sell you. Whether you need the info or not, just remember rmfp.com. You do you, Colorado. You do you.